0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Growing Knowledge Podcast. On this episode today, we have Dr. Chris Eck of the College of Agriculture, Forestry, and Life Sciences at Clemson University in Clemson, South Carolina. So uh, Dr. Eck, before I knew you with your PhD and your fancy doctor name, you know, I knew you as the intern that you uh, that taught at Claremont Middle School for a little bit with Mr. Garner when my sister Hannah was there. And then eventually you became my uh, sister Abby's agriculture teacher at Gray Middle School. So why don't you kind of tell us a little little? little bit about your journey through the public school uh, education system, being an ag teacher, and being an FFA advisor in the public school level. Well, great. First off, I'd like to say thanks for having me
1: today, and I look forward to talking about some of this. So, um, like you said, I had kind of started my educational journey at um, Claremont Middle School, interning under uh, Mr. Mike Garner there, after I had um, completed my bachelor's degree in agricultural education at the University of Florida. And so I spent a semester there interning and got to kind of learn the ropes of ag education and um, what that looks like at the middle school level and and how to advise an FFA chapter and and manage students' SAE projects and all of that kind of stuff. Um, Once I finished up the semester there, I was fortunate enough to get a job at um, Eastridge High School right down the road there and uh, taught there for two years. Had a, a great experience there, getting to teach um, everything from agricultural mechanics courses to horticulture and um, some animal science, plant science, lots of different things that, that got covered there. And then I was able to move to a school a little closer to home, and that's when I moved to Gray Middle School and uh, taught there for three years. And uh, some of the neat things I got to do there at Gray Middle, we had a huge, huge FFA chapter that went along with the program. And... We uh, competed in a bunch of different career development events across the state. We were able to participate in leadership conferences. We had students that showed different uh, species of livestock across the state. And so all of that was a great experience. And on top of that, I even had an opportunity. We had a 100-acre land, land lab that went along with the Gray Middle School program. So we got to take students a couple of days a week out to the ag farm and be able to work out on the ag farm and work with some of the cattle and the hogs that we had out there. We also grew a garden out there. So a wide variety of things that were there. And I really enjoyed my time in the classroom. And while I was teaching, um, I finished my master's degree as well. I completed my master's degree online through the University of Illinois. And that program took me about two years and got that completed and then decided that I wanted to continue my education and pursue a PhD. So I wrapped up my teaching time there and uh, moved out to Oklahoma. And I completed my PhD in agricultural education at Oklahoma State University. And that was a three-year program that, um, I was able to teach future agriculture teachers while I was there and take courses to be able to finish up my PhD and, and write my dissertation and do some research and all of those types of things. Um, which then set me up and prepared me for my newest title as uh, Dr. Eck and being an associate professor in, the, in agricultural sciences at Clemson University. So really looking forward to this new journey that I'm on as we just relocated and are getting settled in here um, in South Carolina.
0: So you talked a little bit about how you transferred from you know the being in the classroom and teaching agriculture education to middle schoolers and high schoolers to then becoming a student, but also teaching future agriculture educators at Oklahoma State. So you can can you tell us a little bit about you know what that process looked like? How'd you get involved with the program? What were the steps you needed to take to get to that point in your process? So
1: kind of moving from a classroom um, ag teacher. Into the PhD program, um, you know, there's there's options at both the at both the master's level and at the PhD level for a current agricultural education teacher to enter uh, what they consider to be an assistantship at the university level. And many of your large land grant institutions have assistantships available for current ag teachers to be able to come back and further their education. So um, part of that process is just kind of figuring out what schools you're interested in and what school would fit your needs. And once you kind of figure that out, you can reach out to that school and talk to somebody in the department, the faculty member that's there. And so I was fortunate enough to get to go out to Oklahoma State and spend a couple days out there, tour the campus, meet the faculty, interact with the students some, um, and kind of show them what I had to offer and what I was bringing to the table and Um, They decided that it was a good fit for them, and I thought it was a good fit for me, and so they offered me the assistantship position, which basically helps cover some of your tuition while you're at school and helps cover that while also giving you some some spending money and things to be able to survive while you're finishing up your um, education. So it's a great opportunity. And a great way to be able to continue your education. But one of the downfalls and the hardest part for me was actually leaving the classroom. I really enjoy teaching. I enjoy interacting with students. So the cool thing about being on assistantship is that I got to teach classes again. Um, But those classes weren't teaching high school or middle school students. They were teaching college students that were preparing to be future agricultural educators. So I got to work with them. Um, helping, helping teach them and prepare them to become future teachers, as well as supervising them when they were interning and out in the actual field doing some of that supervision. So um, once you kind of figure that out, then it's really just a matter of taking that leap and, and being willing to go and do it. So I had to kind of uproot my family for three years as, as we moved across the country. And then after those three years were over, everything fell into place, and we got to make our way back to the southeast, which we were really excited about.
0: So during your time in Stillwater, you um, you said that you had to teach some courses. Were those courses mainly, like you said, agriculture education courses? So you worked with people that were going to be ag teachers. You know, what was probably one of the biggest challenge transitioning from, you know, a classroom environment that was filled with middle schoolers and high schoolers to, you know, these people are, you know, they're set on a track to do this career. And, you know, they it's a very different kind of I guess you could say, audience that you have to teach to. Was that was that a challenge for you to kind of alter the way you taught?
1: It, it definitely is challenging. Um, you go from kind of being in charge of your own classroom and being able to have your classroom and the way you set it up and the way you manage it to teaching in a lecture hall that, that's not yours, um, that you are just a guest in basically for that hour and a half or 50 minutes or whatever the length of that class is. And then there's another group of students, and another faculty member that's coming to teach right behind you. Um, so that part of it was a little different to get used to. And then the other big part was, was just kind of changing the mindset. So instead of teaching about agriculture, um, as I did at the middle school or high school level, I'm now teaching about teaching. So I'm talking about how we teach and how students learn and how we help engage students and how we manage a classroom and how do we supervise agricultural experience projects how do we train career development teams um how do we work with students that are interested in being a state officer how do we work with students to help them fulfill their college and career goals um and all those types of things. So it really your hat kind of changes as to what you're teaching. The really neat thing though is is being part of that position, you still get a chance to see student your your current students as they go out and become student teachers, you get to interact with them and their current students, which really help kind of fill that gap a little bit.
0: So with that being said, were you able to kind of see, you know, by being involved in FFA as an advisor here in Florida, Were you able to see kind of how the differences were not just in FFA in Oklahoma, but also in agriculture education as a whole between the two two states? What kind of Was there any differences, and if so, what did that kind of look like?
1: Yeah, so that was one of the neatest parts of the experience for me is is I was very comfortable and familiar with the way that ag education, FFA, um, and all of that worked in the state of Florida. And then moving to Oklahoma, it was kind of a culture shock. Um, It was definitely very different. Ag education is, is still big. It's, it's huge in all the schools out there. Um, they, have, they have great FFA chapters, but the way that they run things is a little bit different. Um, in Florida, a lot of ag education is agri science education. So there's a lot of science focus, a lot of STEM focus in a lot of the classrooms. Whereas in Oklahoma, it's much more production ag focused because that is what is there, um, that is what drives the state. And a big part of the state's agricultural commodities is that of livestock. So livestock production is huge for students. And livestock exhibition as an SAE project is huge as well. Um, Oklahoma has the Oklahoma Youth Expo every year um, in the spring. And it is the largest youth uh, livestock show Um, in the country and it is a huge youth livestock exhibition it goes on for um, almost two weeks and covers all different species of livestock and it's just it's a huge event that these students look forward to but they have that on top of two different state fairs that they have in the state of Oklahoma plus a variety of local shows and county shows and then jackpot shows that are all over the state so that was one aspect that was very different another aspect that that went more into the public speaking and leadership side of things, is that public speaking is a huge event there. Now public speaking is important in Florida too, and and it is um, a big event at both um, the local levels and state level. But in Oklahoma, they they have more speech contests than I've ever seen. Um, Many different chapters across the state, the universities, things like that, host these jackpot speech contests where they have uh, the collegiate FFA that I was part of at Oklahoma State. We hosted a, the largest speech contest each year. And the last year that I was there, um, we had over 500 speeches delivered in one night. That we had no We had that many students that came to take part in the speech contest. And these were happening two or three nights a week leading up to state convention. So the number of students in the chapter that had an opportunity to speak was just unbelievable. Um, And part of that expansion is that instead of just having prepared public speaking as, as a division, they actually have multiple different divisions that fall under prepared public speaking. So they have prepared categories that are for animal science or plant science, or technology, um, that there's all these different categories of prepared public speaking. And then at the state convention, the winners in each individual division all go to compete for the state representative that would then go on and represent Oklahoma at the national convention for prepared public Mm. speaking. But So that that format was a little different, but really gave more students an opportunity to speak, which was pretty neat to see.
0: Yeah, that's definitely interesting, especially... You know, with my background and, you know, prepared public speaking is something that I got into the past two years, my last two years of high school. And, you know, I was blessed to do pr- very well in it. And that was something that, you know, when you're talking about that, it's very interesting to hear how they kind of split it up and, you know, they they divisionalize everything and make sure it's in its own category and then they compete head to head. So another thing you kind of touched on when you're talking about, you know, you pursuing your Ph.D. was your dissertation. So, could you tell us a little bit about what your dissertation was about and what it kind of looked like?
1: Yeah. So, um, a dissertation is just to kind of give you some background on that. is is just really kind of your final project that you put together, um, and it's it's a research project and it's a large process. It normally takes pretty much the, your whole last year of graduate school while you are working through that. Um, and so when you're when you're thinking about that and what that looks like, you have to figure out something that really interests you and is something that you want to pursue and want to spend that much time working with. And so for me, I really started thinking about, well, what is something that we need to work on in ag education? What's something that could be of benefit? And one of the things that I came up with was the idea that agricultural education teachers across the country have very diverse jobs and what their job responsibilities are are very different than that of a science teacher or math teacher. Yes, at the end of the day, they're all still teachers, but the additional responsibilities related to FFA and SAEs and dealing with booster clubs or alumni organizations, working in the community, um, all of these different components that a traditional classroom teacher may not have to take part in really kind of adds to the strain of that of a agricultural education teacher. So one thing that I realized as a, as a teacher and then being on the Ph.D. side of things is that many ag teachers, they, if they're evaluated at all by their supervisors, they're evaluated just as any other classroom teacher is. And they don't get to take into account all the additional duties that they have and responsibilities. So, for my dissertation, I developed what is now called the Effective Teaching Instrument for School-Based Agricultural Education Teachers. And I developed this instrument that can be used to measure teaching effectiveness. And basically, it looks at all of these different categories that are part of an effective agricultural education teacher. So, a principal or a um, county administrator of career and technical education, or just a teacher that's interested in furthering themselves and evaluating what they do and, and how they do it, um, can utilize this instrument to be able to uh, further further grow themselves and further develop their own human capital, as we might say. Um, and so... What this really looks at is kind of what those different areas are, and it considers things like pedagogical preparedness. So how prepared are they to teach in the classroom? Um, It also looks at things like personal dispositions. What kind of personal dispositions do you have that help you be an effective ag teacher, and how do you utilize those? It also looks at intercurricular engagement, which is your use of of engaging in the FFA chapter. How do you advise students? How do you facilitate record keeping? Um, How do you instruct students through SAEs? So things like that. Um, And then it goes on further to even look at uh, the way that they – Include and utilize diversity and inclusion within their classroom. So what types of characteristics do they present that helps their class be more diverse and more inclusive and a good representation of the population of the school that they live in? Um, And then the last couple categories look at work-life balance of an ag teacher which is something that many ag teachers struggle with, with all the extra duties. And then it looks at professionalism and and the way that they carry themselves as a professional in the agricultural industry. So all of those items uh, lead up to a total of 26 items that can be either used as a self-evaluation or an evaluation from an administrator for an ag teacher to help grow and further develop themselves. So that was really my dissertation project, and and it was something that I developed, and then it went out to ag teachers nationwide, um, and so I had over 3,000 ag teachers that responded to my study and really got some really good data to be able to help validate this instrument and really make it something that we can continue to use to help improve ag teachers across the country.
0: So with this tool that you've invented, is with, with the results that you're getting, is the idea of it to be able to give them advice or give them suggestion and kind of see you know, what part of their career or what part of their life they're kind of unbalanced in? Is it kind of just used as a tool for self-evaluation mainly?
1: Yeah, so the way that it was designed when it originally went out was a self-evaluation tool that I asked ag teachers to evaluate themselves in each of those categories as a personal strength or weakness. So they really just had to sit down and self-reflect on these different areas and how they utilized those areas or worked in those areas. And the whole, the whole theory base behind it is really something called human capital. And the human capital, human capital is basically the stock that you as an individual take in your personal and professional growth and development. So if you want to be an ag teacher, what do you need to do to be the best ag teacher you can be? So these areas and these questions really help get at what some of those areas are that are important as an ag teacher. And so if you find that you need to work in one area or another, it helps helps you be purposeful in your professional development. So if you know that you need to work on something related to SAE advisement or FFA engagement, well, then maybe I need to make sure that I look for professional development opportunities when I go to national FFA convention or state FFA convention that are targeted towards some of those areas to help me grow. Um, Maybe I find that that my program is not overly diverse or is not overly inclusive, and I want to make sure I do a better job of that. Well, if that's the case, then then how can I be purposeful in getting better at that? How do I attract a more diverse audience? How do I include all the students that are members? Um, So there's professional development opportunities that are related to that as well. So it's really just kind of this evaluation tool to help each individual ag teacher grow. on on a personal level.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So before we kind of jump away from your time at Oklahoma state and into now this new chapter in your life of being an associate professor at Clemson, um, what were some of your favorite parts about being at Oklahoma state and living in or living around Stillwater? What are some things that you're going to miss from being
1: in Oklahoma? So Oklahoma was, I I was born and raised in Florida. So Oklahoma was, was a very different experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, very different landscape and just different opportunities that were there and we really enjoyed our time in Stillwater. Stillwater is a very family-oriented college town and uh, so with my wife and I having three kids, that was great for us. Everything revolved around the university. Um, We loved going to football games, baseball games, basketball games, wrestling matches, um, all those different types of things on campus were always fun. One of the coolest things Oklahoma State does is their homecoming event. So homecoming each year in the fall is – they call it America's greatest homecoming, and it is huge. Um, They shut down blocks of streets around the university, and all the fraternities and sororities develop these big house decks um, that are, that are moving and, and just, just huge. And they do this big walk around event where they close down all the streets and everybody comes out and and walks around and the the population of Stillwater, um, like triples that, that night for that event. And it's just so cool walking around and seeing all the camaraderie that happens and and everybody that's excited about the university for that event. So that was something that was really cool and we really enjoyed every year. Um, the other part is is really just the faculty I got to work with. I got to work with some really cool people out there that, that really um, were great mentors for me that I was able to learn a lot from and, and really respect and enjoyed my time working with them. So I'll definitely miss some of that and, and being able to work with them You know, right across the table. We still have plans to continue doing a lot of work together um, moving forward, but it'll all be via distance since I'm um, quite, quite far away.
0: <laughs> so now that you we're talking about this part where now you're far away and you transition over here at Clemson, um, what did that process kind of look like of you? Was it more of you going out and searching for a position or was it more of, you know, Clemson contact you? What did, what did that searching or what did that period of you transitioning from Oklahoma state to Clemson kind of look like?
1: So, um, you know, that, that's something that, that varies university to university. Um, uh, but, uh, Basically, it's a, it's a search process that happens, and jobs get posted, and then uh, candidates apply for those positions. And if you are a successful candidate that gets the opportunity to come onto campus for an interview, then you would come to campus for an in-person interview, um, which is sometimes, depending on the university, can be a couple-day process sometimes. It's, it's quite a lengthy interview. But um, when you're going through interviews like this, it, one of the, the neat things about it is it's really a two-way interview. Obviously, they're trying to see if you're the right fit for their program, but you also kind of have some say in that, and you get the opportunity to meet a lot of people and ask a lot of questions and see if the program is the right fit for you and somewhere that you want to find yourself. And um, I was fortunate that there was quite a few job opportunities this year or um, for start starting this fall, and so I got to consider some different opportunities and, and really just felt that Clemson was a great opportunity and something that just really fit uh, me and, and who I am uh, personally and professionally and, and where I want to go moving forward. Um, there's a lot of opportunity, and I'm really excited to work with the faculty here and, and get to engage with the students and AG education broadly defined across the state.
0: So you kind of said when you were talking about you know what you, what you did at Clemson in the beginning, you said you're an associate professor in agriculture science is that just something so does that mean you're going to teach um very broad topics in agriculture or is agriculture education kind of the main courses that you're going to teach
1: so um so it's, it's assistant professor if i said associate i'd say oh, um, I'm, I'm an assistant professor now so just kind of a little background on that as you move through the ranks of faculty you start as an assistant professor and then um as you stay at a university over a period of time, normally it's somewhere around five or six years, you have the opportunity, uh, if your work supports it, to move to associate professor. And then further down the road, you move to the full professor title. Oh, okay. So I'm starting at as assistant professor now. and uh, and But at, at what I'm going to be teaching, so we're the agricultural sciences department, which is, is broad. Um, we help prepare future ag teachers, obviously. We also help prepare future extension agents. We have people that are going to go into different forms of industry. But within agricultural sciences, there's also agricultural mechanics. There's agricultural uh, business and economics. So there's multiple – players that are at the table within this department. My focus will still be on agricultural education. Uh, Not all the students that I teach will be future ag teachers. Some of them will be extension agents or just have an interest in agricultural education broadly defined and maybe want to work for a breed association or maybe they have uh, aspirations to work with national FFA or Something along those lines so they want a degree that that really kind of promotes a wide variety of of skills And so they come through the agricultural education program But the courses that I teach will both will be at both the undergraduate level So students pursuing a bachelor's degree and then also students that are at the graduate level So students pursuing a master's or a PhD in agricultural education
0: Very good very good, so um Just to kind of wrap up our conversation, you know, I contacted you and this is something that I've been kind of interested in is career wise is eventually becoming, you know, maybe a professor teaching in the university system. Um, So what would be some advice or some, you know, some tips or something that you would tell people that are interested in pursuing a similar route that you that you took?
1: So um, one of the things that's, that's interesting about agricultural education compared to a lot of other fields is that. We require work experience for you to get a Ph.D. in agricultural education. Um, Most universities require a minimum of three years teaching experience. So everybody that you find that is in the agricultural education field preparing future teachers has had previous classroom experience, which is really valuable. Um, That time in the classroom is something that is irreplaceable. Um, I spent five years in the classroom. And at the end of five years, I finally felt like I was just starting to get comfortable. Um, I know people that have been teaching 10, 15, 20, 40 years even that just talk about how things change and vary constantly. So the experience that you get is is really important. So the first step is really to get a bachelor's degree. Um, Most commonly would be in agricultural education. And then go ahead and enter the teaching profession. Decide if you want to do that at the middle school level or the high school level. And spend a few years in the classroom and really really think about what you think about that and how you like it um, and really try to learn from that and take, take advantage of all the opportunities that are presented. And then if you want to move forward with that, then you have to think about your master's degree. And s- some folks will get their master's degree before they ever enter the classroom and will actually just spend a little more time at the university before they enter, while others will take the path like I did and, and do that online. And then I also know folks that will teach for four or five, six years and then leave the profession to come do a master's degree and then eventually a Ph.D. So there's quite a few routes to get that done. But that classroom experience is really important because when you're working with future teachers, they want to know how you did it. What were your struggles? What would you do differently? Um, if I'm having this problem, how can I overcome this? And if you don't have that experience, it's really difficult. So um, that that first experience is really important. And then when it comes time for your Ph.D., there's lots of programs that offer Ph.D.s across the country. Really look at somewhere that's going to challenge you and is going to stretch you out of your comfort zone a little bit to be able to help you grow as an individual to be the best faculty member you can be on the other side of that.
0: Thank you. I really, I appreciate that because that's something that I've been kicking around the idea and I'm sure that there's other people out there that are interested in that idea of not just maybe not teaching at the university level, but teaching in general in the agriculture education field. So this kind of wraps up uh, our episode. Um, Usually I take this time and allow my guests to kind of shout anything out or say anything they would like to say. So is there any last words you'd like to say? It doesn't really matter what it is. It can be anything that you'd like to say.
1: Well, thank, thank you for uh, having me today and uh, hopefully helped answer some questions. And uh, now that I am a Clemson Tiger, go Tigers.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Dr. Eck, and I really do appreciate it. Guys, thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to see you guys on the next episode. See you guys later.